Uh, I got to match your intensity now, right? With the intro. Uh, I might go different intensity next time. You just don't know. Shit. You don't know. Make it. Make it is my podcast. Make it. Make it. Make it is my podcast. Make it. going on man hey so uh we're on we're on a phone right now we jumped the gun yeah yeah we were so excited to watch AEW revolution that uh we did not do our intro and outro or outro for the show that we just did mm-hmm. with michael from the band quiet yeah which was also a really really yeah cool interview and a fun show. It was a really awesome interview, really cool show. Um, but before we get into that, let's uh, let's talk oh, yeah. to our buddies in, yeah. uh, in Rivals. We should. Let's talk to our buddies in Rivals. So uh, here they are. Thanks for hanging out with us again. <laughs> it's this April 8th. This is fucking this nuts. Is, this has not happened before this. In fact, everybody smells way worse. Uh, totally. It's Way worse days. than you smelled before. But now we're back with Rivals. Yeah, we are back with Rivals. And uh, and they have a new single out. It's Rivals Appreciation Month. Rivals Awareness Month. Yeah, both of those things. Indeed. If you're aware of them, then you should appreciate them. Indeed. And if you don't know who the fuck they are, you should be aware of them because they're fucking awesome. And you should appreciate them. And then appreciate them. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a one-two punch. So uh body blow uppercut. Now that the new single is out, there's like there's a video out for it too now. Yes. Um how do you guys go into the music video process? Like, is that something that you guys have like uh when you write the song, do you kind of have something already set? Like, okay, we're gonna go into this music video this way, or is that something that happens out of that? thing this is a big question yeah (laughs) it's different every time to be completely honest Uh uh-huh we think we do think like like cinematically when we do write those so i think in essence we like to think that all of our songs could essentially be music videos in in, in some form yeah it makes sense because the the music is very like cinematic in nature it's in, in the way i mean that is that it's very big and it's very like it it sends you into like not only a mood but there's like a visual component to what you're doing like it, there there's an openness to it that kind of like invites that well good <laughs> <laughs> so again you're 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 independent so who who shot the video who did the video all that stuff the visuals are really fucking cool Yeah. So our whole video campaign was done with Christian Lawrence. Um, All the BTS is set. Seb, I don't know where he is. On I don't know if he's the same on every camera. But I'm here. (laughs) And then Nick shot some too. They both are little camera guys now. It was. It was what? It was mostly Seb. (laughs) It was mostly Seb. But you know, you did some. Um, (laughs) And uh, and all the like photo visuals were. Um, Kyle Bertrand, me and him kind of, I had this like really cool vision. Um, 
I just really wanted to get a little bit. I wanted our promos to not feel like promos. If that makes mm -hmm. sense. Like I wanted them to be like kind of like theatrically themed into the video in a way. Um, and so, yeah, it was just like a big combo. And I will say Kyle and Christian literally never spoke. So it was, <laughs> it's all, it all in our brains. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. How do you go about making like a, like if you're going to promote something just because we have a lot of like musicians and bands and everything, how do you, how do you promote something without making it feel gross and promo-y? That's a great question. <laughs> I feel like that's very perspective, though. Too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. true. Um, okay. I will say this round, we kind of went into it more so trying to make it feel more like a movie than like, mm -hmm. uh, this is a band releasing another song. Woo! Um, I definitely, on the graphics aspect, tried to make it feel more movie-esque. Um, well, like yeah, it's like trailers. Yeah. It's definitely like yeah. trailers. Yeah. So um, the album artwork even is like, very very movie like i tried mm -hmm. to do like a whole action avengers you know not really that's a little <laughs> but we're all like action posing not really at all um i took a lot of very john wick yeah um, okay i took a lot of inspiration from k-pop promos <laughs> smart <laughs> that's it's selling they, so yeah they take really cool promos they do yeah. not get enough credit for the cool promos that those girl and boy groups do like so cool so yeah awesome I, I, I will say this you touched on that last question about how you're saying like do you ever go into it writing a song and then thinking that you're going to have something you know it's kind of similar to it i remember that we actually did kind of have a conversation when we were writing this song about how we kind of wanted to have an italian job style thing like four cars or coopers Mini Coopers, yeah. And then this video formulated and you know, from Mickey's ideas and stuff. So it is kinda it, it, for this song I think it did kinda happen in that way, now that I think about it. That's awesome. Nice. Very cool. Well, go check out the video and uh we're gonna see them again on Monday. Yeah. So we'll see you again on Monday. In the and we'll same be back. Outfits. And it'll be a totally different day, but we all wear the same outfits because we're gross. And I'm still cooking dinner throughout the whole month. <laughs> that is the longest. She's she's really letting that General So's marinate. You like it extra crispy. Extra. You love them. We love them. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. I don't know if that was good or not, because I don't know what we put in there. Keely? Keely was great. Still trying. Still trying. But you know what? You know what? You don't have to try. You don't have to try to get a discount at drinkwildbills.com. You don't have to try to get a discount at growyourassoff.com. You don't have to try nope. to get a discount at poddex.com because we gave it to you. Gifts, 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 gifts. 10% off using the promo code BEACON. That's right, that's right. And you know what else you can do if you value your nutsack? The nether regions. Bean bag. The Bellas. Yes, use the promo code BACONPOD at manscaped.com. 20% off. At manscaped.com, plus free shipping. Yeah. Check it out and uh, check this interview out because I we want to watch this yeah. right now. So we're, we're, we're jumping away from you right now uh, because we're hacks. <laughs> totally hacks. It's his fault. Don't point at me. We're hacks. So enjoy. So we got a new uh, sponsor. Yeah, sweet balls, bro. 
Thanks, buddy. I'm pretty sure you can guess by it, by that conversation <laughs> that our new sponsor is Manscaped. Yes, Manscaped, uh, a company that I'm very familiar with. Me too. Uh, a couple, few years now. I've yeah. Been, I've been using their products. And uh, I tell you what, my marbles have never been shinier. I actually got their uh, their lawnmower 3.0. Yes. Which uh, it has skin safe technology. And they've just upgraded to the 4.0. And let me tell you. I was I, I love the 3.0, but the 4.0 is just so much better. It's got a light on it. Do I really need a light? Yes, you do. Visual aids. Yeah, Visual aids you are absolutely do. sometimes for sure. Sometimes in those crevices that uh that that upper leg inner crease. Yes, yes, agreed. It's a tough spot. Uh so the perfect package 4.0 contains the lawnmower 4.0. Yes. But one of the things that I am a big fan of. Uh, is the crop reviver? Uh, as yes, they call it. It is. Uh, they call it the ball spray toner. Yes. So it's tone it, those marbles. Uh, what else is in the perfect patch- package as well is the uh, the, the ball deodorant. Yes, it's the crop yeah. preserver. It's an anti chafing. So when you walk a lot, uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get the chafing. I should probably lose weight, but instead I use this. I'm just a fan. I've always been a fan. I, I was super excited when you told me that we got uh, the email from them saying that uh, we could now offer a discount to our listeners. Yes. Uh, I thought that was super cool. So uh, and men and women can use it too. Absolutely. It's not just a man thing. So if uh, if you want, you can get 20% off yeah, 20% your order now. That's a big deal. That's, That's a big deal. Pretty awesome. Uh, use the promo code BACONPOD. You get 20% off at manscaped.com. So go ahead to manscaped.com. Save yourself 20%. Yeah. Use the promo code BACONPOD. And, uh, and and make your marbles clean. 20% and shiny. Check it out, manscaped.com. Highly recommended and used by your boys here at Bacon is My Podcast. Like I said, keep those marbles shiny. Whoop, whoop. Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody. This is Matt from the band Title Holder, and you've been consuming what's fucking shit. Hey, everybody. Ah. Hey everybody, this is Matt from the band Title Holder, and you've been consuming bacon as my podcast. And what's your bacon? <laughs> I'm going to tone it down a bit. Welcome everybody to Bacon is my podcast. I need to put like <laughs> smooth, I need to put smooth jazz behind that in the <laughs> intro. Just be like, hey, do you play jazz flute? Jazz flute. Is how it's it's pronounced properly. Aqualung. Okay, Ron. Hey, Aqualung. <laughs> uh, welcome to Bacon is my podcast. Today we've got our buddy Mike Scarabino from the band Quiet here, hanging out with us. What's up, dude? Hey guys, how's it going? Glad to be here. Yeah, you know it's funny too because fellow like, Long Islander. He's a fellow Long Islander, so he's probably. I mean, he's within got to be within 20 miles of us yeah it's the same time but he's still remote as it is where we are we don't get that a lot <laughs> but here we are <laughs> cheers to you sir yeah sir man right back at you so uh what are you drinking over there yeah i'm drinking miller genuine draft my favorite beer a little mgd nice nice we, i gotta uh, tell you we have the jameson we have the jameson nice. uh mgds are what i learned to drink on Oh, was yeah? it really? Yeah, yeah. So so we used to buy beers from my friend's parents. They would they would sell us 12 packs for 20 bucks. That sounds like bad parenting. <laughs> well, it wasn't my parents. Right. 
but yeah, that's that. And, and like, you know, so I, I didn't get the natties and the, the, the Bud Lights and stuff like that. I was, I was, MGD is where I started. Started strong. And I remember uh, I went to Yingling before I was able to drink. <laughs> and everybody was like, Yingling, like that, that's pretty specific. Like we're talking 20 years ago. Right. And uh, they're like, yeah, well, Yingling, what the fuck is that? It's like, it's it's drinkable beer. That's what that is. Uh, but yeah, man, that's, that's, that's wonderful. I love it. I've seen, I've seen a security hologram of Anakin killing Yinglings. Wow. Yes. 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 I've also seen one of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, Star Wars hey guy. There. Hey there, Anakin yeah. guy. This is, this is dangerous. But, um, my, I, I would share that my love for MGD kind of started out when I was only like 15. Um, it was my sister's favorite beer. Uh, her name was Jacqueline. Um, unfortunately, she is not with us anymore. In fact, this year would be 10 years uh, since I lost her. But uh, it was her. It was her all-time favorite beer. So it's it's kind of an honor thing for it being my favorite. But I loved it before it all happened. Oh, yeah. well, that's that is awesome. So I will cheers. I will you cheers again to that, cheers, my friend. To her as well. Absolutely. That being said, walking into so so, what a lot of people uh, probably don't know is that we've we've we're, we belong to the same scene. Yes, uh, we have played shows together and stuff, yes, and 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 we don't have a lot of like guests that have we've mingled with and stuff like that Mm -hmm. in real life uh but we've had the pleasure of playing with him and uh you know hanging out with him and one of the places that well the place that i've played with him is mr beery's and mr beery's has all sorts of crazy fucking beers like all sorts of like super high end and all that kind of stuff I was gonna say, how do they feel about you going? Hey, you got any MGDs? But they they do have buckets of Miller High Life. Yeah, they they are they are like good too. Twenty bucks. They are doing it's like twenty bucks for five five bottles. Mm -hmm. So I was gonna say, how do they feel about that? But then I'm like, oh shit, I go there and when my, my the first thing I do is I'll load in. And then I'll go and get a bucket of MG uh, Miller High Lives. <laughs> so uh, Man, there goes my first question. <laughs> there goes my first. Was question. there a question in that? <laughs> no, I was going to say, how do you think they feel about MGDs? But it's like, oh, they don't care. Well, they're getting their money. My they question care. then would be, since you walk in and you order an MGD uh, bucket <laughs> of bucket of Miller High Lives, uh, Michael, when you when you go into a when you go into a club when you go into a bar, what's your uh, what's your modus operandi? What's your What's your guys kind of like, here's the order of things that we do for Mike. It's getting a bucket of highlights. That's, that's a, no, 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 that, that, that's a beeries because they have a bucket of highlights for 20 bucks. <laughs> what's what's um, your guys kind of move when you go in? Uh, it's the same thing every time. I mean, aside from me and my bandmates, we have a couple of Ryan's in our team, Ryan Smith and Ryan DiGiovanni. Um, He's um, our in-ear monitor uh, tech and guitar tech, respectively. So we work together as a team. We bring our our in-ear rack systems in, and I set up my guitar effect rack. And then the three of us just coordinate, uh, making sure all the instruments are connected. And we we do that in like 15 to 20 minutes. We we rehearse that stuff all the time. So usually um, 
uh, I don't know, depending if we're like uh, the first or maybe the last band, we just preset everything. And then after that, we'll just hang around on our merch table for most of the night. We don't really drink during our events until after we've played because uh, we're just so self-conscious about all of our voices, sort of. Right, so right. we don't ever like to jeopardize um, our ability to do that. Because, like, yeah, that's the thing. All three of us are lead singers and have lead vocal parts on all of our songs. So it's definitely not as exciting as you guys getting a bunch of beers. Um, but that's okay, you know. <laughs> to be own. fair, To be fair, it lasts me through the whole night, even if we're closing. Right, right. Well, no, I, I think that's cool, though. And it also brings up the fact that, like, your band has, well, one, you're, you're, uh, you're three people, but also you're three people that all handle lead vocal duties as well. Which is, yeah. Um, which, what, like, what brought you to the point where it was like, because previously, yeah, give, give was, a little bit of a background. A little bit more of a, you know, kind of like you put a band together. Um, that was kind of a solo project. It was more kind of behind what you were doing. And then that grew as the band became more integral to the writing and integral to the songs. Uh, what kind of was the transition to, hey, let's all handle lead vocal duties as well, because that's unusual. Okay. Well, I mean, going in order, um, I mean, since we first started playing together in 2016, uh, Whiskey and Julie always, you know, expressed how much they enjoy singing too. But since I already had a lot of songs written as the lead vocalist, you know, they just always let me have it. But then in uh, one point in 2017, we did our first EP together and um, Whiskey and Julie had a lot of presence with, uh, you know, leads in different sections and harmonies. But it got to a point where the two of them came to me and basically said, you know, we know you started this band because you wanted to be yourself on stage because, you know, I didn't get to have that and anything I did prior to what is now quiet. Right. So they pretty much expressed that to me, too. They said, we love to sing and we want to do this, too. And we think it can make a great impact on the sound. And at first, I was definitely very hesitant because, you know, I'm the kind of person that makes a plan and I want to see it through. And having, you know, my bandmates being lead singers, too, almost felt like it was getting into my own spotlight a little, which might sound, you know, a little stubborn, but. I feel like everyone's right to feel that way when they have a vision, but then of course. I kind of, I, I, I realized like with all the bands I listened to like heavily, like 311, Lincoln Park and what and whatnot, I'm like, oh, well, I mean, it would kind of be just like this. And if we ever get to a point where we got to play long sets, no one has to worry about vocal fatigue. So I'm like, okay, th this could actually be really cool. So by the time it was like mid-2018, we intentively started writing songs that had mixed lead vocals or one would just take control of another. And um, it was a little difficult for me to like write like that at first because I noticed a trend where if one person was like the mastermind of the instrumental, that person would kind of like take control of the vocals for the whole song. And that could become a problem when one person is writing a lot of songs more than the other. But we yeah. eventually now we've done a great job with learning how to balance that. And because like when it comes time to actually really recording stuff in the studio for real, we'll go in and do like three songs at a time, which, in fact, we've been doing that this week. We've had like four sessions this week. We'll strategically pick the three songs we do based on the vocal presence and making sure everybody has a turn. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's, it, it has to be kind of, I can imagine it's kind of a weird thing. Cause I've, um, I've had band members that, that 
came from being lead singers in the previous bands that they were in and then join join my band doing doing something different and then um them having amazing voices and it's like okay well how do we utilize that but then yeah like as as writers and as performers and as musicians we all have and and i'm not saying it in a bad way but we all have egos and we all have uh that that idea of like here's like you said here's the plan and here's my vision and we have that thing going forward and whenever anything comes in that challenges that vision it might be hard to see the benefits of it immediately at first it starts to feel like oh am i being asked to step back am i you know is that what's going on with that so um as a writer for me i know it was it was interesting to start writing with the idea of okay i'm not going to be singing this thing that i'm writing lyrically um with you guys do you when when it comes to the writing process is it kind of a uh how do you make that distinction of who's going to do what is it is it kind of a here's kind of the um, the sound we're looking for for this part of the song or for this song, or is it whoever wrote the lyrics or is it who's got the idea? How do you kind of balance that out and figure it out? Okay. So it's a little bit of both. Um, the thing is we believe that everything has purpose, you know, no matter what it is. So for example, let's say that I'm the mastermind of an instrumental I write and I say, and naturally I'll start writing the vocals Anybody in the band can do that respectively as well, because I I truly believe that if someone comes up with the biggest idea of the arrangement and the progression and melodies, they have a connection to the song like no other can. So they will Mm -hmm. be the director of it. And I think it's more than okay for them to be the voice of it. However, let's say that, again, I'm the mastermind of an instrumental, but Whiskey will come to me and say, well, I think that Julie should be the lead vocalist on this song with me doing more backups because I feel that her voice might be more suited for the song and we can create a certain kind of sound with it. That Mm -hmm. is a great way to put it because, again, it's purpose. Someone has an idea and a connection and they have something to try and as long as there's reasoning and it makes sense to all three of us and everyone's comfortable, we'll do it. I love that. Yeah, I, I really love that, and and I think that um, <clears throat> that's that's like a lost art, is especially with collaboration. Again, yeah, coll- <laughs> that's 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 like collaboration. Yeah, at its finest. Like you know, uh, uh, you, coming from the last turn off Broadway uh, thing, where it was like two vocalists. Um, it, it it's it's something where uh, yeah, you could come up with. Uh, with a great harmony or a, a great uh, melody line or whatever. Um, but if you turn around and you're just like, shit, like it, it would truly sound better if you did it. Mm-hmm. That's like that unselfishness that, that like, I, I feel like that's huge in songwriting and Absolutely. especially collaborating and especially when you have multiple singers and and stuff like that uh that's a that's a hard thing to it's a hard thing to swallow in the beginning well i think it also speaks to the fact of that you're truly a band yeah instead of um individual musicians that are playing, trying to get their shit that in. are playing collective music a band always kind of thinks for 
I, I and I've said it a bunch of times, like the song is our God that we're trying mm -hmm. to please the whole yeah. time. <laughs> right. Um, and if the song needs this voice, then the song should get that voice, no matter what, uh, no matter what that does to my uh, want to do it or, mm -hmm. or, or my ego or anything like that. When, when you have a band of people that can think in terms of that, uh, I think it's pretty special. And so for you guys to be able to kind of do that and, and make that work, like, I don't, you know, I don't want to overstate how like cool that is because yeah. that's not an, a, a normal thing um that takes time and that definitely takes trust and that takes lots of trust a lot yeah. of uh you know stepping back and allowing that thing to happen so kudos to you guys for for making that choice and you also you. especially for for having a situation and then saying i'm going to change this situation to better reflect the people that are playing it versus going with this original vision that i had and being able to kind of yeah. adapt and stuff which is pretty awesome that's Unusual. Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate it. I mean, that, that goes right along with the point that I was about to make. Uh, the most important principle foundation is communication. As long as you're able to communicate what it is with each other and everyone's agreeing to be that way, open-minded and willing to listen to the reasoning, you can make anything work. And that's what I think really makes our band so special. We have been together for six years as the same three people, and mm -hmm. we have experienced so many different instances, you know, from the easiest to the most dramatic stuff. And, you know, there's always probably that one instance every year where it's like, oh man, this is crazy. Is this a breaking point? But no, when we talk right. about it, everything's okay. So I think yeah. it definitely reflects on how we make our music. That's yeah. awesome. Communication's I, key, man. I, I love, yeah. uh, <clears throat> another thing that, that is great is, is the fact that you're three people, but you guys have, and, and you've alluded to, you know, the in-ears and all that kind of stuff. You guys have, tons and tons of textures and things going on in your music uh that is just so cool so like your show isn't necessarily just like hey three guys just fucking you know <laughs> slamming at the guitars which, could which, is, cool, which could be cool which is yeah. awesome yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but it, it is it is like an experience it yeah. is totally an experience uh, so like, have you always approached music that way in, in terms of like creating a, a soundscape as opposed to, uh, you know, this is a song and I'm just going to get it done. Right. Um, I mean, honestly, it's just always, I mean, I, I, okay. The way I think I want to answer this is, yeah, like I see your point, but I think, you know, what, regardless of what kind of instruments are in it or not in it, um, I think it's just always been about the way that like me and whiskey would write our guitar and bass parts in the beginning. Like we treat the songwriting approach with our instruments in an interesting way. Whiskey plays his bass sometimes more like it's a rhythm guitar. And then I'll play, I have a lot of classical background and a lot of like modern influences from different bands on guitar, you know, whether it be from guys like Matt Bellamy or Tom Morello. And it's always mm -hmm. allowed me to play in like this balanced way between rhythm and lead. And it just allows us to like have these particular melodies that just sound a little 
eccentric, I guess is the word. So no matter what the instrumentation is in the song, I think it just creates really good opportunity for us to produce in a way that makes the listeners say, this band is small, but they have a large sound. Yeah. It separates you too, because, and, and I was going to bring it up about your guitar playing that I appreciate. It's, um, it's almost like when there is, uh, there's the progressions there, the chords are there, the power's there, but it's almost there to, in the background, supporting an orchestration of something that you're doing. And you're playing something that's, that's more melodic in, in quite a few of your, your songs that's more melodic and kind of handshaking with the bass. You guys are kind of working it that way versus um, either of you kind of, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to rock the progression while you do something different. Okay. Now I'm going to rock the progression while you do something different. It's like, okay, that's there. And that's one of the textures, but let's yeah. highlight and let's make something where uh, this guitar and this bass are talking to each other and they're, the drums are there to support what's happening. And then the vocal line is also something else that's there, which you said that you, you have some classical influence, which makes a lot of sense when you say it, yeah. because there is that very much that orchestration that's going on in, in your guys writing that, that I'm picking up on. Um, correct me if I'm wrong there, but like, I'm, I'm, oh, yeah, I'm kind right, of yeah. seeing that. And, and it's cool to have that stuff, you know, like, um, I play like you know I'm a I'm a wannabe punk rock <laughs> guitar I'm player. A, I'm a chord basher. I, I, I bash through stuff, but then I'll go in the studio and I'll write nine different guitar parts that are overdubs, right? Cool. But those overdubs are still there, just kind of like I, I'm always thinking of them as like okay, they're supporting the vocal melody, but it seems like when you go in there, it's like okay, the progression is there to support this integral part that we've created that's more of a moving piece uh is that correct is that am i off there am i what am no, i saying it, <laughs> no, I, I would definitely say that's true in so many ways i mean in the instance of our newest uh single there's no escape i, I was mean, gonna bring that, that up <laughs> that that song has like oh man i i think that song literally has like 12 different lines of guitar Mm -hmm. And I, when we were recording it in the studio, our, our producer, uh, Ryan Schumer, he was actually almost running out of how many channels he's allowed to have in a Pro Tools session. Because <laughs> right. every, 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 every single line of guitar, we quad-tracked everything, we doubled everything with different amps and guitars and pickups and all that stuff. Um, and it, it was some of that. I, I recorded guitars for three days in a row, eight hours every day, if not more. And, uh, it was like the greatest experience, but anyway, not to strain from the point. <laughs> right, right. Um, so yeah, in that song, um, there's like in an instance with like the pre-chorus, I have two guitars that are like in 16th picking, but they're mm -hmm. doubled with another one and another octave. It almost sounds like a synth you know, yeah. like oscillating with each other. Yeah. But then I'll have another, like just what I like to call a guitar pad where I just slap a lot of reverb on it with like a crystal pad uh, as an effect. Mm -hmm. And and I'll just, you know, play the bar chord and let it ring out. Yeah, it's, it's stuff like that where I just like to create this, we like to create this immersive universe where you're just surrounded by all these sounds, as long as nothing is like competing with each other, which is an issue we were having at first. We kind of overproduced some of these newer songs. 
Um, so they had a, a little too much going on at some points, but you know, you live and you learn as you go through being yeah. creative. Hey man, it's, you, you gotta, you gotta cross the line to know where it is. You know what yes, I mean? Like definitely. I would, I would much rather have someone tell me to dial it back than to have someone always asking me to go. What else can you do? More. What else can like, you do? You what got else something else for me? Yeah. Like I'd rather have them go, okay, you gave me, you gave me 20 ideas. We're going to keep 12 of them. So now we got to take away. You know, yeah. that's, that's always, to me, that's a better situation yeah. to be in. And I see that. Um, and, and it's, it's funny because like, I, I watched your playthrough video for oh, that. For uh, just go alone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm watching the playthrough video and I'm like, and, and I'm seeing what you're doing and I'm like, wait, there's something behind what he's doing. That's really cool that he's not doing right now. <laughs> he, but he chose to do this cause this is the main thing, but there's something back there. That's also awesome. <laughs> Like yeah. you, you guys have so many textures and so many layers that I, I think it's really cool. I think it's interesting. Um, when you are writing things, how do you approach that? Do you come from a um, let me get a progression first and then build out and take away the basic and find the melody? Or do you have all this in your head when you're walking into it? Um, it usually depends on the type of song, I guess I'm writing. Um, okay. I mean, well, generally that is how I write. Like what you said, using your head, like a lot of people will just play, uh, or I'm sorry, they'll write in the way that I like to call writing by muscle memory, where they'll just pick up their instrument and start hacking away progressions. Mm -hmm. Um, I do this thing where I take my phone and set a stopwatch to 10 minutes. And within that time frame. I'll be thinking about what kind of mood I want the song to be in, maybe shoot out and do a few different keys. And then I'll think about what kind of melodies I want to have in my head. And then, you know, maybe a couple chord progressions, what instruments they're going to be. Once 10 minutes is up, then that's the part where I'll actually go to a DAW and grab a guitar piano. And I'll just literally uh, start recording what I'm hearing. And little by little, you know, with like seven tracks later of different synths or uh, sample drums, I'll pretty much have some kind of song with uh, an experience with a lot of different instruments. That's different. That's awesome. Wait, so you I love that. Yeah. So your 10 that minutes. That is great. Is your 10 minutes that you're recording you verbally explaining what you're going through? Or is it you with a guitar kind of? just explaining and then playing a little something or what what do you so the the 10 minutes with the stopwatch i'm not yeah. doing anything at all i'm literally just thinking just in thinking. my head and and oh, then wow. when, and then when the 10 minutes is up i'll first what i actually oh. kind of left out is i i grab a guitar and then i i play i play the melody around a little bit to you know just make sure that it can be done and if there's anything i don't like that might be better that's when i'll try it so I capture the idea on my phone. And then when I feel like, if I feel like I can go a little more further and create an arrangement out of it, I'll do that first. Then I'll bring it into a DAW and I'll start mapping it all out. That's so cool. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I want to do this. Yeah. I, oh, it's, it's like, like, I haven't thought it's of that. Really that's cool. really cool. That's that. That makes so much sense. Like, that's really cool. One I of mean, the best parts about it is that it prevents writer's block. I haven't experienced yeah. writer's block in a few years because of this technique. Wow. Because wow. because when you're when you're always mapping something out in your head of what you want to do, whether you're inspired by a certain melody or not, when you're using your head and like the key word again is purpose, when you do something yeah. with purpose, it's impossible to be stuck because something's always going to be there.
Well, that's so cool. Oh man, that is that is like wow. That's so cool. So, so many songs are going to come out of just you explaining that. Yeah, to him because he wrote. I hope, my apologies. I hope it does. <laughs> yeah. Did you? No, that's but, really cool. That's, is this something so cool. that you? Is this something that you um, developed on your own based on? Like, just is this how you started writing, or is this like you had writer's block and made tried to make something, or you? spoke to other songwriters and kind of worked it, workshopped it. Like, how did you come up with this kind of method? Um, I was actually signed to an artist developer for a year and a half uh, right before COVID hit. Uh, mm -hmm. Her name was Crystal Reyes, and she's managed by Taylor Swift's original manager, Rick Barker. Okay. And she taught me so much about being an artist. And that very strategy was one of them. And uh, before I, before I did that, I did have like a very similar style. Didn't, I'm sorry, not style, <laughs> a similar strategy. Right. It didn't involve a stopwatch for 10 minutes, but it did, it did rely a lot on like, you know, certain music that I would listen to. And then like the riffs would give me ideas to branch off of. Mm -hmm. And that did work well for me, but it's a lot faster going the other method. But you know what? The thing is, music is an art, and it's important that it is because it's important to recognize that it's not something that's done with some kind of instructions manual. If it was, everything would be the same. So as much as I might have that method, sometimes I'm totally okay with writing by muscle memory or, you know, just whatever thing comes to mind because of course, it's yeah. abstract. Sometimes there, you grab a guitar and be a, just happens you know yeah exactly there, there should i think it's good to have a balance between a method like that and muscle memory why yeah. why limit yourself oh yeah. absolutely but I'll, always learning a new i i love when i get to hear a different songwriter's kind of methodology um because i've tried to use so many i feel like this is this years. is really like the first time that i've seen that yeah that's the first time i've heard for that sure one, which like, is really cool which is like, which oh. is, yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I've so always. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, like I've always gone th with the like. Okay, I hear a song in my head, and then I I'm like, okay, I gotta go, gotta get out to the the garage, or gotta get to my laptop, and just like write it, mm -hmm. and and that was always my thing, but now that's fucking cool as shit. <laughs> I, I, I like those kind of exercises. I I remember teaching a couple songwriting classes for like school of rock and working with like mm -hmm. young kids oh, cool. and and one of the first things that i would do with them is i would be like okay um we're gonna pick uh five words and we're gonna put them into google and we're gonna hit images mm -hmm. and then whatever the whatever the most interesting image on the first line comes out i'm gonna set a stop a time uh. a timer for 10 minutes and you're going to write – each person has got to write the story of what's happening in that picture. And it's then like we, a mood board. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, we, and then we take huh. that story um, and go, okay, now we have to write – now we pick a story and we and we give it like – we give it a character and we give it what they're doing. And then now we're going to write a song about that. Why haven't we done this? And Because, <laughs> because we do this. Oh. Because <laughs> – um, but yeah, that was one of the things that, that I've done. And it's funny because like I came up with that to do with them, but I rarely did that for myself. Yeah. Um, mm. And, and uh, you know, just hearing that idea just makes me go, oh man, I'm definitely going to try that. I'm yes. definitely going to do it. To, to, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that. That's yeah. After cool. the show, I'm, 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 full super cool. I'm all, I'm all in, in on that. Cool. 
I love, <laughs> man, I love that kind of stuff. I love talking to other songwriters because I love the art of songwriting so yeah. much. And like you said, it's an art. Um, I've always like, I, I, we all, we all are um, passionate about this art, but we all use different brushes and different colors. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's, it's really cool. Well <laughs> Just like if I, uh, if you and I are are hanging out somewhere uh, and we have a show together, and we're sitting with our guitars, and we go, "Hey, try my guitar," and we switch them, we're both going to play something new and different. Yeah, that that we wouldn't have played had we not been handed the other person's guitar, because you've been given someone else's brush. And you go, how does this one work? And how does this make yeah, me feel? And it just kind of happens, you know? Um, so I, I love getting that kind of information. And I love that. You yeah. Know? So, so thank Absolutely. you for that. Thank That's you. awesome. Yeah, you're welcome. And for um, all of our listeners that, you guys that are, are writers. excited about it. Yeah. Hey, man. All yeah. of our listeners that are writers, too. I know we have a few a lot, that yeah. talk that talk to me all the time. I think they're going to get a lot out of that. Yes, yeah, well. for sure. Um, another thing that we, we talk about, on this show quite a bit um especially with bands with textures and stuff like that yeah jim is jim is very like old school like i'm gonna play and i've been embracing the whole in-ears and all that kind of stuff in right. fact like my, my rehearsals now are literally all in-ears except for uh drums although i'm the one that made him go digital oh uh, yeah <laughs> but somehow yeah somehow he was like he was like Helix is the way to go. And I was like, I don't know. But yeah, he, he was the guy that like did that to me. But, right. but, um, well, yeah, I don't know why there, because I think Axe Effects 3 is the way to go. Ooh. Ooh. Hey, you know what, man? I've, I, I know a couple people with Axe Effects and it sounds amazing. Um, for me, I happened to, I tried them both and it was like, for, for whatever reason, the Helix spoke to my brain in a way that a pedal board I think did. Yeah, I think that's that that that's what hooked me on Helix too. But sounds the whole like holy shit, they sound so good. Because because uh, I I've got a lot of people who who definitely have more um, Axe Effects minds. Yeah, and they're like, well, why are you why are you tweaking knobs and stuff? I was like, because I fucking can, <laughs> right. and that's how good I point. feel comfortable. <laughs> Whereas Axe Effects, like, or you know, some guys that are using Helixes, they're like, yeah, just plug it in and just and use the software and it's like i like turning the knobs oh, and hitting yes. save and like that that's how i do it um but but beyond that i mean like the in-ear system and all that kind of stuff uh what was your as a vocalist especially um what was your like transition from hey i'm gonna write music and and just play to hey i need I need an in-ear system. I need, I need like click. I need all that kind of stuff because that's not just, that's not an easy transition to make. Mm -hmm. Like I, it, it took me quite a while. I, it took me till I played drums with a dude that only played to a click. And mm -hmm. I was like, this is amazing. I'm not going to do this any other way. <laughs> right. And, and then after that, it was like, you know, my next drummer was like, who was actually my drummer prior to the band I was in before. And I was like, cool, I really want to play with you. But if you can't play to <laughs> you a, click, get on a click, if you can't play to a click, sorry, we can't play. And he's like, 
So okay, what, I'll figure yeah, it out. What, like, what, what <laughs> was your journey into like in your monitors and how that works and stuff like that? And and okay. and now you, you've got like you got uh like guitar tech and ear inner tech. You're going to Beery's or like a small club. Like, how does that work? How how? Oh, well, unfortunately, that doesn't really work anymore. <laughs> I was because, say, um, it doesn't work. The, uh, I'm not even sure how many. I, I, when we book shows, I actually have to keep in mind of how many inputs the front of house mixer has or the channel right. snake has. Because yeah. by default, we have like 12 to 16 inputs, depending on what we run in mono or stereo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but in a case like Mr. Beery's, we can't really play there anymore because uh, the system would just be a little too much for that. But that's okay because, you know, there is definitely a certain audience that we're trying to go after when we book shows. Um, before I actually really answer your question, though, uh, it's funny, Mike, what you were saying about uh, your experience with another drummer playing with a click. Um, one time we were in the studio years ago, and um, the uh, producer we were going to work with was trying to make sure that Julie can play to a click. And he's like, oh, getting all skeptical about a lot of drummers. Julie's answer was, I can't play without a click. And the producer was like, <laughs> yes, that's exactly the, what I want to hear. <laughs> You're the best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it, it truly is a game changer because it like for so many years of my life, it was always like, cool. That song felt great, except for the fact that I couldn't breathe in between lines. <laughs> Right and mm-hmm. and and uh, like and then and it was 20 like twenty BPM cool. too fast. I can't play that fast at the end. Uh, yeah. Um. So it was it was one of those things where we had we had our. Uh, I'll, I'll shout him out, Jeff from LTOB. Um, yeah. Jeff. I remember Jeff. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff. Jeff is a sweetheart. Hmm. Jeff is the sweetest man in the world, and I love him. I love him. I love him. Um. Anyway. But yeah, that being said, like the dude was just like, just give me BPMs. And I was like, what? (laughs) What what do you mean? Right. And then we started playing to BPMs and we were just like, beats per minute for everybody that's listening. We sound like a band. Has no idea what we're talking about. Beats per (laughs) minute. Beats per (laughs) minute. And he's, and and it's just like, we sound like a band. Finally. Like yeah, that, sometimes you have a good sometimes you have a good yeah. set and then sometimes you have like a set that should be really good but your drummer just is is like 20 or 30 or 50 beats per minute more that's, than you should be. That and that is a very huge. common thing. That's a very common thing that happens. I mean like bring me the horizon before the set before yeah exactly I, and i didn't mean to cut you off kind of at no, the no, very no. end no you didn't so <laughs> yeah bring me the horizon you're, you're our before, guest uh, <laughs> yeah right so before bring me the horizon released sent paternal they never had any production there were no clicks but then they got jordan fish into the band who did synths and a lot of you know um to the grid based stuff yeah. so he's the one that implemented them playing to a click and they came out with sent paternal everything about the band changed and it's like oh wow this is actually all amazing now but yeah to to really start answering your question on what the transition was like for us uh going to in years um well um originally uh i just 
well, I'm sorry, not just me. Everybody wanted to hear the click and uh, the instrumental backing tracks in the ears uh, because, you know, for obvious reasons, it's a really good guidance getting through a performance. But then little by little, um, we would always experience a lot of uh, technical difficulties from, you know, venue sound systems with, you know, so much extra noise on the stage from floor monitor wedges and stuff like that. And the fact that, you know, uh, we would actually experience a lot of vocal fatigue because sometimes the levels in the wedges are not enough and it can be annoying signaling to a front of house engineer to lower it or <laughs> make it louder. So, and oh, yeah. you know what, that, that, that's really to nobody's fault. You know, it's impossible to run a perfect system when you yeah. just come into a venue, you don't know the engineer and you, you can't really expect the world from he or she because you don't know what their background is or dare the engineers, the they, door guy it, or, <laughs> Right. <laughs> or dare I say, a good or bad attitude. So we've mm -hmm. decided to totally strike all that from the equation. I was lucky to have a few friends that are in the live industry as professionals, and they told me a few good ways to run into your system. So um, I pretty much just did what they told me to do. I put together a list of the gear that we would need, you know, a, a channel splitter with two snakes that can send to our own in-ear mixer and then the front of house mixer. And then we hired a guy um, to do our in-ear mixes and have it all set up so that way we can hear everything. And then on our first show with this whole new rig, um, it was unbelievable. I don't, I don't even have a floor monitor when I play everything's yeah. nicely balanced so mm -hmm. overall it was a very very amazing experience it definitely took us a little while to get used to it but once you do all three of us equally love playing like that um but uh to kind of add on to this what i i'm also a very big expert with midi um my my pedal board is not really pedals it's just a midi controller it's the mastermind gt by rjn music technology and mm -hmm. what I can do is I can assign buttons to however I want to run my effect rack, but I also have it wired to an Ableton session. And I have uh, Ableton has different scenes for each song, and you can assign MIDI codes for each song. So each guitar effect preset on the Mastermind is will be assigned to a song, and each preset has a button of its own that will command a song in Ableton to start the track. So no one in the band even has to touch a computer. Even if we didn't have a tech on the stage, the show could be run like it's just one man wow. flying a ship. So we have all <laughs> that was going that, on. Okay. That's ridiculous. Well, okay. That's amazing. Yeah, but that raises a question for me. Like, um, Did that at all change how you approached playing a show? Does that take away from your ability to just – shut your brain off and enjoy playing a show now that you're kind of doing that or does it help it because now you just know what you you're going to sound like and you don't have to worry about it exactly it's the complete opposite with the with the sense of having our own in your mix preset saved on our mixer we never have to tweak anything when we get on stage. But if there is an instance where we sound check and we need different levels, Ryan Smith will will just signal to him like what we need higher or lower, and he'll do that before the show, and we're good okay. to go. But usually we don't even need to. Um, but then as far as everything else with you know the MIDI control in Ableton, um, the the way from the smallest detail when we set up our songs and our click tracks. 
we have everything in a way where like if we know we want breaks we'll put them there and then we'll have like another stick sample when everybody has to get ready again we'll mm -hmm. even have like voices in our ears being like 10 seconds this song is coming on um so i i guess what at the bottom line i'm really trying to make is i like to set our rig to be our minds no one has to yeah. think on the job like there's even some songs where i can go four songs in a row without even touching my pedal board because every ableton scene can have what's called a follow action where um it'll just launch a scene without me having to touch anything and it knows that it's next in the set list and in a lot of cases if there's some songs where i gotta focus on you know just singing and playing guitar because stopping on a switch will just take me out of focus right. i can automate i can automate the preset and scene changes too oh wow that's so cool man <laughs> that's interesting i gotta say ableton, ableton is still a mystery to me like i I, I do logic and I've been told like, Oh, you do logic. Like you should be able to easily do Ableton. And I'm, I'm, oh, I'm still like, no, no, I don't <laughs> see somebody. Somebody's like, somebody, somebody told me they're like, Oh, you do logic. You could do Ableton. I'm like, he just no. put up a, he just put nope. up a Kung Fu. No, dance. listen to me right now. <laughs> I don't care what dog you use. All right. And anyone that goes to Ableton, all right, you know how we drive on the right side of the road in America? Yeah. yeah. Ableton is like driving on the left side of the road all of a sudden. Every <laughs> single thing is on the opposite places of each other, and it almost has a language of its own. When the band wanted to start doing shows like this with this workflow, I got us Ableton. It pissed me off. I actually <laughs> had to spend two weeks getting to know it. And I know my dogs pretty well from Studio yeah. One to Logic to Pro Tools. Ableton is the weirdest, but if you really are patient with it, it can be the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. You'll never see me being a creative in Ableton, but for running a live show, oh my god, it's the best. <laughs> okay. Well, you're you're already talking so about like like function over changes and stuff. It's like art. Oh yeah, shit! <laughs> Ableton can switch your fucking. I don't know any of these things. It can switch your. It I have a helix, but I still board. have it set up to to be. Three I I, I do love I do love I do love in ears I like I'm a screamer though that that's that's the one downside so it does change the dynamic but you literally just pop your in ear out and and it's good I found it took me away from the audience do you find that that happens at all or are you not kind of... really no not really at all I mean my in ears I have the um the hell are they called. Oh, they're they're West tones, and they they okay. only have a couple drivers, but they're very well fitted to my ears. And like when I put them on, like if I'm if I'm just in the basement and you're on the other side trying to talk to me, no, I can't hear you. But when you're in a live show, even though I'm wearing in ears, you know, all the mics on the stage are gain states to a certain way. Mm -hmm. They're gonna they're gonna manage to pick up somebody's voice one way or the other in in the audience, so I'll still be able to hear that. And plus, someone in the audience is going to be shouting because they know if they want to be heard, they got to speak loud. Somehow. Right, right, right. That's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah. I like. I remember. Um, I I tried in ears, and it was. I mean, it was years ago. It was like on my. I was probably on my second or third like tour, and I got in ears because I was like, well, you know, like half the half the places that we play when we're on tour you don't know what you're walking into, you know, like yeah. you walk in it, it. It's like, Oh yeah, we have a PA and it's, and it's like two 10 inch P 
PA speakers and they put them behind you and you're like, uh, no, that's not <laughs> oh how my, it goes. <laughs> this isn't going to work well. So, uh, so I, I tried to bring in ears on the road at that time, but I also, I wasn't digital at that time. I was still using amps oh, and yeah. stuff like that. So it was just, it was chaos. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I felt like, I felt like every time I was singing, I was only hearing myself and I had really, no matter what I asked for, I didn't have anything else in the ears because I wasn't controlling mm. it, but it, it just took me so far away out of it that I, that I, sh I was like, oh, I'm done. I'm done with in ears. I'm out. I, I I'm out. understand that. Yeah. That, that, and that's precisely why we have a guy that's trained with our rig because yeah. we can walk into a venue and he knows what to do. No one has to think on the job. But it's funny, as, as you tell me about your experience on the road, the the stage engineer that's in my head is already thinking of like three different solutions that you could have done. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. just what I do. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I agree. With, I, yeah, 100 percent. And uh, and I've never been a stage manager, so I don't I don't have three different ones, but I always had like one or two. But it's but then it's also, you know, like, are they even going to listen to me? Because we're <laughs> we're on the road and we just got to boy <laughs> and we're playing in a uh uh an rv <laughs> that's on the side of the road <laughs> that they converted into a venue and yeah there's there's a hundred kids in here but uh the the speakers are tenant speakers that are behind us and our mm -hmm. amps are in front of those speakers and all the mics are pointed at those speakers no in-ears tonight but you know what i mean like like um i don't know how much how much touring have you guys done how much like road stuff we have, we have actually never been on a tour before we are very very strict on making sure that there's the cash flow and means for it but i think this year smart. we might be doing our first one no it's smart it's definitely yeah. smart and then also you know uh like the past, if the past two years have told us anything, it's that uh, you need to have a different plan. You know, you need to you need to kind of plot things out a little bit better because yeah. anybody that was doing kind of what we were doing and being like, okay, part of our thing is going on the road for three weeks or or a month or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then coming back and then working to the next time we're on the road that just doesn't financially new help you it's and it and it doesn't work in the air. it doesn't work anymore it's up anywhere in the air always so uh so you're on the right track you're on the right <laughs> what i what i'm saying is yes to you <laughs> and i'm and i'm learning a lot yes <laughs> yes <laughs> uh so before we go any further what we do have to do is pay some bills yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna violently shift tone here we're gonna, away from music okay. away, from, away from, music. from music Okay. And into <laughs> let me reach over here. We've got the pod decks, right? Hmm. Pod decks. It's for budding podcasters. It's for people who need to break the ice. Yeah. <laughs> it is decks of cards with 50 cards in each. Yes. And they have a different question or episode uh, idea. Or ice whatever breaker. icebreaker, weird conversation. Starter. Exactly, it's a conversation okay. starter. <laughs> and when you don't have verbal diary like we have, right, it helps. Or a guest that can talk to you about music stuff for yeah hours, yeah. hours forever in the day. <laughs> yeah, uh, amazing. <laughs> uh, so what we like to have our guests do is 
we like to have them pick from one of these decks and then pick a card from that deck that they pick. Completely randomized question. So what we have is the episode deck. We have the interview deck. We have the interview deck too. We've got Would You Rather, What the Heck, and then they've got some new branded stuff. Yeah. Uh, one is the What the Fuck deck. <laughs> we just got this really cool, like, backward. That's the MTV one we're going to do. Thing. <laughs> but then there's also, Michael, just, just relax for a second. There's also the How Dare You, oh. which has to be said, said that way. Right. Oh, also, God. what the fuck has to also be said that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, you also have to say what the fuck that way. But yeah, this has like a little popcorn and a movie style popcorn thing. So, uh, sir, which one would you like to choose which from? Which would you like? What the fuck? I like it. Ooh, I like that. All right. And he even did the voice too. You have to I, do the voice I, to see. I, 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 we 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 have a vocal session in the studio tomorrow, so I'm not going to do anything aggressive. I'll use my head <laughs> voice. <laughs> Go for that head voice. Go for the head voice. What the fuck? Love that. All right. So while Mike is shuffling these to make sure that it's a truly randomized question, I'll just let everybody know that you can go to poddecks.com. You can check out all these decks. You can buy one at a time. You can get groups. They put them together. They also have merch. They have an app, all that kind of stuff. If you decide you want to get something over there at poddecks.com, use the promo code BACON because everything is better with bacon. And get 10% off of your order. Okay. So this is the way. This is the way. So we're gonna have a drink here. We might have to talk Star Wars after this. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna take the finger of power. I'm gonna go from my left to my right, your right to your left. You tell me when to stop, sir. I have started moving. Stop. All right. Your question. Michael, would you ever consider writing to someone in jail as a pen pal? No. <laughs> what the? No. I, I like that he almost went, what the fuck, from the what the fuck, Nick? Yeah. <laughs> I will say there, there was a past band member of mine. Uh, in in something heavy, not not oh. in um, not in last turn off Broadway, that did love to uh, be pen pals with the serial killers. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I thought yeah, you were going to say that he liked to commit crimes or something. <laughs> Does it, everyone? I mean, <laughs> I would. You said it, not me. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, he he was he's gotten he's gotten like artwork done by different yeah. murderers. Um, yeah, interesting oh my stuff. God, <laughs> hey, did you kill someone? Why don't you draw me a flower? <laughs> yeah, that that yeah, that was a thing. Give me a macaroni that was necklace a thing for a little while. Um, we have uh, there's two members, two official members of uh, of something heavy. Uh, by the way. <laughs> Not one of them is bassist, except for me. Maybe sometimes. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. All right. So that was the pod decks question. Uh, now we've alluded to Star Wars a couple times now. Yeah. 
I'm, so, I'm just gonna ask, like Michael, are you are you a Star Wars fan? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Programmed at birth. <laughs> so, uh, what I want to ask is, uh, talk to me here. Um, Book of Boba Fett. Okay. I'm gonna tell you, just from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I like three episodes in. I was like, why are you trying to make me not like Boba Fett? Hmm, interesting. But heel. but then heel. also my brain heel. my brain was going, why do you like Boba Fett? He had three lines. What are you basing it on? You've created this person in your head and you don't even know who he is. And now you're learning about him and you're learning about him later in life. So then hmm. I went back and I was like, okay, okay. Let me let me watch this with different eyeballs. Hmm. And I still was kind of like, why are you trying to make me not like Boba Fett? <laughs> I, I, well, okay, so I, Boba, Boba Fett is a heel. He's supposed he, to be a heel. He is. So that's why. What did you think, Michael, of uh, Book of Boba Like, what did you do? Well, were you into it? Were you not into I it? absolutely loved it. Okay. A lot. Cool. Yeah. I, I thought that um, the way that they orchestrated the whole plot and how they wrote it was really great. Because, um, like, you know, the show is called The Book of Boba Fett. Yes. You're telling a story. All the so flashbacks. you see everything. Yep. I thought that was really awesomely done. I definitely think there were some instances where I thought that the current events of where he was at the point could have been a lot stronger. Um, I just felt like that's the part where, you know, every viewer has expectations. When I saw the trailer, I was, I was really expecting the show to kind of be like the Godfather in a way. I I was too. Right. I thought it was going to be like crime Lord mob meetings galore, which there definitely was a couple of them, but, but they weren't, but I feel like they weren't really done with the kind of dramatics that we thought they were going to be, but that's okay. Um, in, in, in the later part of the show, I was really surprised with how much they covered on Din Djarin and Luke. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, which I, I think is okay to do, you know, because they're all very current characters with what's going on in the shows. Right. But I felt that they could have done a little, they could have been not as aggressive with dedicating a whole episode to him. However, I didn't despise it right away because I'm I'm used to seeing that in some of the shows already. Did you guys watch The Bad Batch? Yes, I did. No. Yes. So there was an episode that was pretty much dealing with, uh, you know, Harris and Dula and everything going on yes. in Ryloth. The yep. only the only real character of the show in that episode was Crosshair. That was enough to justify it being an episode of The Bad Batch. But I, I guess having if I hadn't seen that show in that episode, I may not have been as, uh, you know, lenient with what was going on. But, you know, again, there's that keyword purpose. You know, they're going to yeah, do yeah. something in the show because it's going to have an impact later. So give it a chance. How do you feel about, like... Um the the amount of uh fan service and the amount of nostalgia that they're balancing with telling these new stories do you think that it's a good amount do you think they're doing a little too much do you think that they're not doing enough um 
I, I kind of think it's where it needs to be. In, in a way, I think I think they're actually not doing that much nostalgia at all. I mean, the, yeah, you have like some Camino flashbacks. You even have yeah. Order sixty six one with Grogu. That was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real. Like the the nine year old me that saw that in theaters in two thousand five <laughs> was like, ah. <laughs> yes. Um, me, yeah. Me I'm, too. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. I, I feel like if they were doing too much of it, you would have kind of known. It, it would have been one of those things where it's like the show is being made by fans. That's how you might feel. That's mm-hmm. the way I look at it. No, I think they're doing a great job with finally coming up uh, with original plot lines and giving a forward direction. And I put the keyword on the word finally because Dave Filoni and John Favreau are just you know, doing so much better than the saga films have been 100%. doing. And, and, and the more that these shows are good, it just makes me more angry about the films. It makes you raise the <laughs> question of, how is it that we have these amazing shows, but we can't get one good movie? Oh. Well, hey, my, my, <laughs> my, my question is, we can't get one good movie, but my question is also, uh, you shot scenes with all these people for that final movie, you you shot scenes with Ewan McGregor. You shot scenes like you 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 put in all these things, and then you cut that out of the movie, and we don't get to see it. We don't get to see the thing that would have made us go, <gasps> "What?" Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm I'm one of those people also that like I'm not a nostalgia person. Uh, mm-hmm. Many of my friends will be the first ones to say that anytime they bring up like. Uh, uh, like music from our past or or anything like that. I'm always like, shut up! I don't care. <laughs> like you, you reminded me of high school. I hated high school. Like, <laughs> Fair enough. So I I loved and love the Star Wars movies. I love and loved uh the the books. I love the whole genre. Like I don't want to say genre. The whole um. The universe, I, the whole franchise, the, the IP. I love, I love all of it. But honestly, anytime it, it like for me personally, when when you want to give me a whole episode of uh, Luke Skywalker, I'm just kind of like, I don't want to see a whole episode of Luke Skywalker, man. Give me like, I know his story. I know where he goes. Mm. I know how it ends. I know what it does. Like I get it. He's I think training new, Grogu. I get it. But, but I do like you the new now? perspective. What's up? But do you now? Because you, did you really know that Grogu was having all the issues he was with attachment, and Luke well, would and react that... that way? You for the first time you saw Luke presenting someone with a real ultimatum. You have never seen him be a leader before. You that is a great point, and that is a great point, and that is the part of that episode that I like the best. Honestly, I really did. I really did. I I like things that further the story. I don't like things that are just a hand job of the past. I think, (laughs) I think, I think the issue is, is that is again, it's, it's serving to, 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 uh, to too many masters. So like if somebody who was not very knowledgeable about star Wars, Uh pointing at myself, were to watch something like that, I would kind of need to know some of that story in order to, so I think in, in order to understand it. Right. Right. So yeah. I, I, I think that, yeah, 
it sucks to – we talk about it all the time. It's like I don't want to do my job again <laughs> and again <laughs> right. and again. But, like, but if you – if you're catering to a bigger audience and you have the possibility of them getting hooked in and going, cool, Luke did this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get them hooked to Luke and he, they're going to look at his whole story arc. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. I think that is kind of what they're doing. All right. What do you think, Mike? Um, yeah, I, I can kind of understand the point of view you're trying to make because, you know, it's even a good example with what they're doing in the MCU, you know, with shows like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Right. Like, yeah. I, I think I think the connection you're trying to make with two different types of audiences is that, yeah, all right, you might really need to know who the hell was Bucky Barnes, what happened to him in his past, you know. Right. Yeah, when, yeah, yeah. You know, you may not know that he fell off a freaking train and Zoller did all this crap to him in the prison. Yeah. But but you're able to easily connect with what's going on with the dispute between um, you know John Walker and Sam and Bucky in the current moment. So at least you can enjoy that adventure while it's going on. So yeah, then I guess going back to Star Wars, you're at least able to connect with the fact that Grogu has to make a decision and Boba is trying to accomplish all he is. But you know you still get a piece of the past. So it's, yeah, I get what you mean. Right, it's, right. It, it, it's one of those things, and that's why. Falcon Winter Soldier was so poorly received. It's because well, I you're getting, I I love it, it was it was pretty poorly received, and it's because a I lot of people it. were like great. A lot of people were like, well, I just kind of relived like this, right? And this and this and it's like, yeah, but you're able to create a new audience of people that loves that story by watching those older stories be rehashed and stuff. Well, you know, it's it's funny. I feel like Captain America can also be a very subjective thing in general because for me, mm. in my experience personally, I'm a World War II reenactor, have been since I was six years old. It's what I've always done with my dad. So Check I'm out the video for it. another round. Which is on yeah, hey, YouTube. Hey, he knows he knows his quiet history. <laughs> um, yeah, so naturally I'm a sucker for Captain America, but I thought that Falcon and Winter Soldier, the whole backstory with Isaiah was one of the most thought-provoking things that the MCU has ever done. Yeah. Like man. I when I was when I was watching the episode where Sam comes back from Europe and he goes to see him again, and he has the shield. I felt like for about a good 10 minutes, I was watching like a serious HBO show, or right? like, dare, dare I even say Band of Brothers, and I'm like, whoa, this is an MCU thing doing this to my head right now. Holy yeah. crap. But yeah. I guess the point I'm trying to make is, if you don't really have that kind of appreciation for history and a lot of, you know, even those more subjective racial themes and and tensions, mm-hmm. it might be very easy to disconnect from that because that's not often seen in the kind of superhero film. I yeah. man, I like when anything makes you think a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I and yeah. I think, and I think that um, like I love superhero movies. I love the MCU. I love DC. I love like that's that's my thing. I'm a geek by 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 upbringing and nature by trade. Uh, Star Wars, uh, Star Wars MCU. Uh, DC, all of that is is my it's in my DNA. 
So I'm going to like, I'm going to consume and watch everything they put out, whether it's good or not. And when it's good, man, I love when it's good. Mm. And I love when it's good and it makes you excited. And it also makes you think and it, and it, connects to something like that like i love like the scene you brought out like i was one of my favorite parts of the entire series because i was like oh man like they're (laughs) educating right now like this is a this is a moment where they're educating uh and i love that i love that when they get to do that kind of stuff totally you know it's funny like it's it's fiction this whole thing but right what they're basing that whole you know dispute on with isaiah is that i i have met quite a few african uh, world war ii veterans in my time mm-hmm. as some of them being even tuskegee airmen and i've never really heard them talk about any controversies that they had to deal with during the war and post-war as much but what Isaiah experienced is absolutely something that the Tuskegee guys had to deal with and all the adversity. And the way that they were able to turn that into a super soldier hero story, I thought was, uh, I was really impressed. It makes it palatable. It makes it palatable to people that aren't looking for that information necessarily, that aren't, aren't realizing that that information is there even to some extent. Um, which I think is awesome because it might make somebody who knows if it makes one person go like, I wonder if that legit happened at all. Like not, of course not the super aspects of it, but (laughs) the rest of it, (laughs) you know, like I wonder, I wonder how much of that was taken from something like then, then they've done their job. That's, that's amazing. Um, So as far as a uh, nostalgia versus forwarding a story, what are you looking forward to in Kenobi? Because I can't wait for Kenobi, but I was a little kind of like when they were like, Oh, Hayden Christian is going to be in it. I'm like, why? <laughs> Look, I, it's I'm called history, lie. Jim. I'm not going to lie. I think of all shows they've done so far, I am beyond excited for Kenobi the most. I'm in fact, yeah. in fact, I think Number I'm one. more excited for anything Star Wars since Revenge of the Sith has come out because mm-hmm. the prequel trilogy is what I grew up with. I mean, like not to strain from the question wait, a little bit. Wait, what? <laughs> wait. The prequels are what you grew up with? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm a little younger than you guys. I was born in 95, so like Okay. I when I was a kid, like I saw the originals before the Phantom Menace came out, but okay, you know, that's what a, I was gonna very, ask. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, of course. I guess what I'm trying to say is, at a very impressionable age, it was easy for me to connect with the prequels. But uh, like before, I answer your question about the Kenobi show. Like, yeah, on a personal background with Star Wars, not a lot of people know this, but I was actually diagnosed with autism when I was only like three or four years old. I suffered from PDD, which was like Asperger's. And, you know, one of one of my biggest issues was being able to connect with people. I was very mentally slow and had a tough time making friends. And it definitely brought out a lot of temper and emotions within me. And when I was watching Anakin Skywalker dealing with situations, you know, like when he was turning to the dark side, I found some kind of connection within the character and like comfort in a way of, you know, even though Anakin didn't really make the best decisions and he let his emotions get too much in the way, it kind of taught me in life how to not approach a situation. 
and you know what you That's can amazing, do better. Actually, yeah. So like, I, I mean, a, anybody that knows me as a musician knows that Matt Bellamy from Muse is my hero and I'm always going to be obsessed with that band. That's right. what Star Wars was, was for me when I was very, very young. That's, that's really how I started a lot of my perceptions in life. Oh, but that's as awesome. far as the balance between new storylines and nostalgia with Kenobi, I'm very excited for them because I'm expecting them to show a lot of stuff about Obi-Wan with having a lot of regretful feelings as a master, what he could have done better to train Anakin. Um, if they, I, I'm, I'm, I really want them to have some flashbacks in the Clone Wars, which would be awesome because would be awesome. it would be nice to actually see them in like their battle Jedi uniforms like they were in, in the animated show. In the animated, yeah, yeah. To see that live action would be really, really cool. Um, and it would give such a more dynamic to Anakin's character, um, which the shows have already done that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I... I can't really say that I had too many expectations. I feel like I might have spoken that up a little bit before, but <laughs> no, I just it's it's a really big deal because like this is Obi Wan, in my opinion, the best developed character in all of Star Wars, especially in the prequels. Mm-hmm. I just really, really hope that they get this right of all things, and I hope it makes everybody feel something. And I just hope that it's good. <laughs> I, dude, I'm with you 100. percent Like, I, I, I'm one of those people that like I, I did not enjoy the prequels. I, I just, I enjoyed aspects of them, and there were aspects of mm-hmm. them that I did not enjoy. Um, but I will say that what I did like about the prequels, my favorite part about them was that to me, to to a lot of people, and I guess the the goal was the Anakin Skywalker story, which I get and I, I understand 100%. And that's an incredible story and it's a great one. But to me, the prequels were the Obi-Wan Kenobi story. Um, and if I focus on that part of the story that's where I get all my enjoyment out of those prequels. Hmm. That's what I get out of it because I didn't enjoy the way that they told the Anakin story as much as I would have liked to, I guess. Um, But I really liked Obi-Wan. I love the way you put that because not a lot of people are very into mythology, but Star Wars is absolutely mythologically based. George Lucas spent a lot yeah. of time with uh, some of his, I forget the name of um, the writer that he kind of like did a lot of development with Star Wars early in the day or just mythology in general. But in any myth, the main character is the hero. In many ways, the prequels don't have a hero because you yeah. know that Anakin is going to fall, but in a sense, that makes him a tragic hero. Mm-hmm. But Obi-Wan is like essentially the main protagonist right away because he's the first like good guy that you get to focus on, you know, when he's with Qui-Gon on a separatist control ship. Yeah. But he, he, he is your main focus right away because you've already seen him. And he's, you know, the one that's been the master to Anakin all the way through it. And then eventually in A New Hope, he'll resurface. And, you know, you're going to lose him in the middle of that film. But, yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. I've never thought of it that way before. Yeah, well, Obi-Wan to me is the one that, like, the reason that it, that I follow him is because, to me, he's the one that, quote, unquote, fails. He's the one that, like, it's his story as he's picking up from his training from Qui-Gon on being a trainer and being the one to take Anakin and lead Anakin and his 
quote, failure is what brings about Darth Vader. Hmm. Right. And it's not even so much Anakin and, and who he is and what he is. It's the fact that, that to me, the interesting thing is that Obi-Wan is going to go through this in his mind um, just because I'm one of those people that uh, second guess every decision I ever make in life. Uh, Obi-Wan did not, he could have been the one to make sure that Vader didn't happen and has to live with the fact that he created Darth Vader. And that's what I'm looking forward to in the Obi-Wan show. I think, I think a great thing that, and I hope they do this, but I think a great thing that they can focus on, you know, in part with Obi-Wan and having a lot of regrets and looking back on his past and mistakes. One of the very first conversations in The Phantom Menace is that he says to Qui-Gon, well, Master Yoda always said to be mindful of the future. But then Qui-Gon says, not at the expense of the moment. Not and at I the think expense that, of the moment. And which is one of my favorite scenes in life in general, actually, mm -hmm. to use. But I think that they'll kind of touch with that on Obi-Wan throughout his quest of training Anakin, because one could probably say that he was not focusing on the present moment enough and trying so hard to make him reach his end goal of being a trained Jedi Knight. Yeah. And you know what? Let's circle that back around to being uh, songwriters and musicians and singers and everything like that. Uh, nothing is as important as being in the moment. Yes. <laughs> nothing in expense of the moment. Always live in the moment. Always be in the moment. Um, Michael, we've taken up a lot of your time. <laughs> I just looked at our clock and I was like, man, we are going. Uh, we can, I, like, I'm not even mad. <laughs> yeah, I, I, dude. I, I, like, I could talk Star Wars with you for another can, two hours. We can talk. We can talk, yeah. we can talk, we can talk a lot. So uh, I will definitely extend the invite without even checking with Mike first about uh, having you come back on the show. I think you should come be back. fun. You should That'd definitely come back with us. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. we are gonna we're gonna cut this one down now, just uh, so that it's short enough for people to actually click on it and get to know a little bit about you. <laughs> yeah, because we don't want to scare them away. All right, so, um, dude, thank you so much for yeah. hanging out with us today. Uh, yeah. It's been awesome. It's been we've a cool learned something. Yeah, like we've learned as songwriters. Like yeah. we were like, fuck, I want to, <laughs> I want to do that. I mean, not just from that, you know, just talking to you guys as people, you know, whenever I see you and your bands at shows, I'm always focusing on my own thing too. So my head's kind of in like a haze with oh, other course, musicians. Yeah. Always. So it was actually, it was great to actually really get to know you guys a little more. So yeah, man. yeah we, this was a lot of fun. We've probably met 20 times and this is the time we actually met. So it's yeah. been awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, It's been super cool. Uh, before Absolutely. we go, please let all of our listeners know where they can find you, where they can find quiet, where they can find the music, where they can find videos, everything possible on the socials and everything else and what you got coming up. You got it. So you can find Quiet's music or any of our content on social media with at Band of Quiet. There are links in our bios and you can find everything you need or you can head to our website, bandofquiet.com. Awesome. 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 Thanks for hanging out. Everybody, thank you for listening. Definitely go check out Quiet. Check out all their stuff and go see them live. Yes. Uh, you already know that they put a lot into playing live. So go see them live. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll put a show together soon. Yeah. And fun. also, yeah, we yeah. should definitely do that. We should definitely do that. We should do that.
<laughs> let's we'll talk. We'll yeah, talk. yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but I think it's test taking time. No test taking time. Test taking time right. means what? It means what? It means everybody at home needs to reach down into their clean shaven bean bag, Manscaped. <laughs> Manscaped.com. <laughs> and ask themselves the most important question. The question. The question. What is the question that you should ask yourself every day to make yourself have a better day? Michael, do you remember the question? Oh, fuck. There was a question? <laughs> you know what? That's okay. He doesn't okay. remember it because we've taken his brain everywhere. Yeah, we've So I'll tell you what. Place. Everybody at home, just remember the question. The question is, what's your bacon? What's your bacon? Ah, uh, yes. What is your bacon? <laughs> you enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. Good conversation. Uh, I'm going to try and write this songs awesome. differently. Like, that's totally different. It's yeah. so different to write a song that way. And I, like, the way he just brought it up, I was like, oh, oh, yeah. oh, I'm going to try that. I'm definitely going to try that. Um, I'm excited to try that, actually, which is cool. We should try that as a collective. As a collective. Yeah, uh, we should Jimmy, do that. Where can they find you? Well, uh, you can find me. Jimmy G Shoes, Jimmy G Shoes, on all the socials. Just check them all out. Uh, and you can find my band Craving Strange at CravingStrange.net, which will then connect you to all the socials. We have new music out right now, new video out right now. Um, check all that stuff out. Where can they find you? Me, personally. You can find me personally at me, my own self, Mike. My band is is called Something Heavy. You can find it at Something Heavy Music, um, and and on all like the digital the stuff things, on all the stuff things or whatever. And also, also you can find us like doing our thing. Yeah, you and I. Big is my passion. 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 Also, on Spotify. remember. Uh, at Bacon is my pod. Yeah. That's what we do. And also bacon is my podcast.com. Standing conversation with hashtag what's your bacon? Hashtag bacon is my podcast. Hashtag bacon is my pod. Mm-hmm. Let us know what you want to hear. Let us know what you want to do. Let us know what you want. Thank you to all you listeners so much. We appreciate you. We love you. Thank you to everyone that has visited and joined our patrons, our BIMP squad over at patreon.com slash bacon is my podcast. Hope you guys are enjoying all the extra fun content that we have over yeah. there. And uh, yeah, we're watching the AEW Revolution right now. So you know that this is in the past. So uh Hope you liked it, and we'll talk about it probably in the future. Indeed. So, have a good night. Have a good have a good week. Have you a good didn't weekend. Say have a good life. I almost did. That's awful. Right. I almost did, which is very. We're not dis- breaking up with you. Which is very dismissive. I swear to God. No, we're keeping this we, going. We're not. We want to hold on to this. Hold on. You are the wind beneath my wings. Fly. Stop it. What's your bacon?